Please repeat. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Mangalam Gurudevaya Devi Matriksha Mangalam Mangalam Bhakta Brindibu Sarva Lokaya Mangalam Um Stapakaya Chadarmasya Sarva Dharmasarupini Avatara Varishtaya Ramakrishna Yati Namaha Om Jananim Sharadam Devim Ramakrishnam Jagat Kurum Parapadmeta Yostritva Pranamami Muhur Muhur Om Sara Shiva Samaram Bam Shankarachara Majamam Ashmarachara Prayantam Vande Gurum Param Param So finally beginning uh, the tenth skanda of Srimad Bhagavatam Mahapurana after many many years. <coughs> last week we read the last few verses of the ninth skanda where the topic of Krishna Lila was, going to, was being introduced. Right, and it was mentioning that, and, and after a long list of the kings of the Yadu dynasty, mentions that then Krishna will be born in this, as the uh, son of Devaki and Vasudeva Jayama. Um, and then the, question, then the question was discussed is why is Krishna born? And we mentioned that generally, not generally, all the time, what's the cause of birth? The cause of birth is either. Um, our, we have karma, we have, they're the results of our past karmas, we take a certain form, or desire. It's our desires that lead to rebirth. Right? And so the question is, Krishna is being born, Vishnu is going to be born as Krishna, what's the cause of his birth? Is it desire? Is it his karma? So to say that God has previous karma is not like a logical thing to think. And what's his, if it's desire, normally it's not desire, usually it's selfish, unfulfilled desire and some need, that doesn't also make sense. So it mentions, and it's a hearkening back to the opening uh, chapters of the whole book, where it's uh, where when it starts talking about the incarnations of, of, of Vishnu, that there's two main categories, many subtle categories of avatars, but there's two main categories introduced. One is Guna avatar, and the other is Lila avatar. Guna avatar is that the absolute supreme being takes a form as the Trimurti, as Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva as the important devas, mahadevas, in order to accomplish some cosmic uh, principle. The gunas means satparajas, tamas, creation, sustenance, destruction. And then there's the lila avatars, and these we've been reading about since the beginning. These are, these are the, where the Lord enacts some, it takes birth in order to do something, to enact some uh, play, some, some activity or pastime, sometimes people translate, right? And, and it's almost always, actually it is always to do good, right, for the universal well-being. Vishnu is, especially as Vishnu incarnates, Vishnu's nature is to sustain, right? So whenever there's a disturbance, uh, or, and, or as Krishna says in the Gita, when there's a rise in dhar- a dharma and a decline in dharma, he has to take birth in order to, to uh, uh, destroy the wicked and protect the good and reestablish dharma. That's his, his statement, in the Gita. we talked about that last week. And so, what are all the different avatars we've read? Of course, we've read many about kings, we've read about sages and rishis, 
but primarily it's been Varaha avatar, Narasimha avatar, Hayagriva avatar, Bhamana, Matsya, uh, all these divine hmm? Korma avatar, all these divine incarnations, all to do some lila. Usually lila is often it's to kill some demon, mm-hmm. right, or and to save some devotee. That's the most common thing. And, uh, uh, so the Lord takes birth or the Lord appears sometimes Vishnu, like Gajendra Vishnu just came to save there's so many stories about this and whenever Vishnu appears it's always to do good right to do uh, uh, so that's the Leela avatar so Krishna is also he has Leela he's a Leela avatar but in the very beginning there's a very important verse <coughs> that uh, uh, has a cosmic meaning and a, and a cultic meaning, cultic meaning, sectarian meaning from the, the worshippers of this uh, tradition. Uh, it says, after listing the Gita, in the beginning, it lists all different types of avatars. We usually think, oh, there's ten avatars of Vishnu, right? There's Matsya, Kurma, no, Matsya, Kurma, Varaha, Narasimha, Vamana, uh, uh, um, Parshuram, Rama, Krishna, or Balaram. Uh, Buddha uh, and Kalki, right? Do the ten, but that list of ten is not an ancient list. It's, I mean, those, those that it is an ancient list, but that list as it came, it may have been already in popular at, at the time, but we find it, it clearly mentioned in the opening stanzas of the Gita Govinda, important poem by uh, Jayadev Goswami. It's a beautiful, exquisitely esoteric and very esoteric account of Radha and Krishna and the Gopis, their romantic affairs. Um, uh, very um, who Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would go into ecstasy listening to it. So no, we know it's authentic, but not always meant for everybody. It takes a particular purity of heart to understand those verses. But he has an as a prelogue to it as a Mangalarchana, the opening auspicious verses. He says that uh, it's called the Dashavatar Stotam, where he mentions these ten: Keshava Dhirta, Narahari Rupa, Jaya Jagadishari. Keshava Dhirta, Mina Sharira, Jaya Jagadishari. He mentions glorifying the ten incarnations like this. But that, that's a partial list, but a much longer list, which I'm forgetting right now, maybe maybe 32 or 40-something. I used to have the number in my head of uh, the different avatars mentioned, all kinds of avatars, because there's also within the category of avatars also um, uh, 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 Shaktivish avatars, so we would consider almost like prophets, people who come with a mission, right? Certain entities that may be not directly Vishnu, but they're an aspect of Vishnu, in... in, in, in um, what's it called, uh, uh, empowered by Vishnu to do some divine work, to accomplish some goal. And so many are listed. And, and in that list, we would consider people that we would, con- in modern age, people like Ananda Moima, Ramana Maharishi, Bhagavan Nityananda, all these great saints, they seem to be in that same type of, many of the lists is not just the great avatars like Baraha and Nishingadev uh, uh, and Rama and Krishna, but other uh, 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 empowered saint, great saints, great Rishi, I think Kapila Muni is mentioned, uh, uh, like that. But then there's this one line, it says, Krishna tu Bhagavan Swayam. This is probably the most quoted line in Bhagavatam. Right? Krishna tu, Krishna, Krishna tu, but he's the Bhagavan Swayam, he's the original Bhagavan. He's Bhagavan, Bhagavan Swayam means he's original or himself. Right? He's Bhagavan himself. Right? In that list of avatars, it mentions Krishna as one of the list. Right, and then it says actually there's as many avatars as there are drops of water in a continuously flowing fountain, waterfall. So many we don't, not just in this realm, so many lokas and so many planet, other planets, other lokas, other realms, other creations, there's avatars of the Lord. <coughs> but he says, Krishna tu Bhagavan Swayam. 
Now that can be understood. I mentioned there's a universal way of understanding that verse, that line, and a more uh, uh, cultic way, sectarian way. So the sectarian way, and 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 is well, see, out of all the avatars, he's he's the source of all avatars. So there's a, there's a tradition of Bhagavad Dharma that's come from this, uh, uh, especially in the Bengal tradition, that says actually Vishnu is not a, is not the source of the avatars. Krishna is, because he's the original. All the avatars, even Vishnu comes from Krishna. Usually we think of Krishna and Rama being avatars of Vishnu, but the view of the sect, of a sectarian perspective, sectarian, I'm not using the word in the negative sense, it means the worshippers of Krishna. That means, like, we're worshippers of the Kali, we're the Kali sect, or Ramakrishna sect, like that. Not using it in the negative sense. But the followers of Krishna in, 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 in the Bengali tradition especially, as well as some others, they hold that verse as, no, Krishna is the original of everything. He is the source of Vishnu, he is the source of Vishnu's avatars, and he's, he's not an avatar, in a certain sense, he's not really an avatar. He doesn't incarnate, he himself descends. It's a different, incarn- different meaning of avatar. Right? So what is this, this Krishna to Bhagavan Sri the, the more universal thing is that we have to understand that when, when we're reading about the start life of Krishna, he's the original God. Right? Otherwise, if we don't understand Krishna to Bhagavan Swayam, Bhagavan Swayam, we don't understand that Krishna is Bhagavan Swayam. He's he himself is God. It's a simple way of translating it. Then you then you can't understand his lila. You can't understand his, you won't you can't accept his teachings. You can't understand his lila, because if he's not Bhagavan himself, the lila doesn't begins to fall apart. It becomes just a strange story or an immoral story or fantastic fantasy. Right, uh, ancient, uh, ridiculous mythology of pastoral people hundreds of years ago, or you can dismiss it. That's a very important. Without Bhagavan Swayam, you can't understand who Krishna is. So whether Krishna is the original, the source of everything, and the highest and best and supreme, as some people hold, and we don't argue with that position. We don't. We're not taking. That's not our. That's not how we're approaching and why we're approaching the text. Or you have to understand that Krishna is. When we read about Krishna, he's. He himself is Bhagavan. And that last verse, it says, that when there's in, again this time, because of the disturbance on earth, Krishna, uh, Bhagavan, it says, Bhagavan himself will descend. That's the last, I don't have the verses in front of me, but that's the verse we read last week. Right? Bhagavan himself uses the same idea. His own self, he himself will descend. He's going to descend in this age, or descended in this age. <coughs> so, a, a brief introduction to this uh, skanda, the tenth skanda. Srila Prabhupada, his title of the skanda is the Summum, summum Bonum. That's the word? Summum I don't even know how to pronounce it. What is it? Summum Bonum, which means like the pinnacle, right? The highest point, right? And that's a general thing that this is considered, in one sense, the heart of the text, right? It's also the pinnacle of the text, right? The highest point. It, it, and it's not the end, because after the uh, 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 10th skanda, there's 11 skanda and 12 skanda. 11 skanda we know is very, very important. That's where we have Uddhava Gita. So many extremely important teachings about, about sadhana and life and dharma is given in that. The summary of everything in life, that's really the summary is in, of dharma is in the uh, 11th skanda. And then the 10th and then the 12th skanda describes basically the qualities, many things, many incredibly important things, extremely philosophical but also describing Kali Yuga, the qualities of Kali Yuga. Primarily it's about Kali Yuga, right? So you, we've spent all this time, avatar after avatar, Leela and saints and creations, uh, descriptions of creation cycles and different matter and spirit and the 24 tattvas and the 32 tattvas and uh, the cosmic Virat Purusha, again and again the stories are being told. And finally, it, it, it's, it's almost like, like um, um, uh, it doesn't, and then you have, 
the the, the Krishna Lila was and the Gopis was the Gopas and the Gopis, and in in a in a in an American play, Western play would end, it end there, not then then long philosophical discussions and <laughs> and descriptions about the horrible things that are coming Kali Yuga, <laughs> you know, like, which is a description of the modern news, right? That's not how we would end it, but that's exactly a very traditional way to end to 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 compose such a text. You know, it's it's kind of a, a given example of like boiling milk. It takes a long time to boil milk, right? You know, it's like we made paneer last week. You know, it was two big gallons, so it took like 20 minutes to get the water slowly, slowly. And then when it came, it came up very fast. And you took it out and slowly it came back down and kind of bubbled for, it took a little while to calm down, but not as long as it took to come up, right? Before it calmed back down again. Same with in puja. To do the action during the Amabasha puja, there's a three hour puja, right? The actual Kali Puja, the main thing where Ma is being asked, please sit, please take this water, please eat this food, here's some incense, let me ring a bell for you, like that. That's actually about 15 minutes. 15, 20 minutes. We have to get up and decorate a little bit, so it makes it 20, 25 minutes. But out of a three-hour Puja, right? All preparation, and at the end, it doesn't end right there. Then there's other things, we ask forgiveness, we feed different devatas, you know, slowly it peaks, and then slowly... Everything comes back down, you know. Same with the awakening. Uh, yogis interpret the same thing as alom bilom, uh, the, the upward path in Kundalini takes lifetime to awaken Kundalini, and then slowly you have to integrate it back in. You have to inter- once it comes, we have some divine experience, and you have to digest it and bring it all down and like be able to li- and then do something with it, right? So it's a similar thing. So the it's a peak, but it doesn't come at the end. We would put the peak at the end. It's uh, it peaks and then. Settled. So once you know who Krishna is and you're inspired, you can see what he says. Uh, it's the longest uh, section. It's 90 chapters, 946 verses. So this is a 18,000 hymned verse hymn, but this is almost a thousand of them are in this canto. Uh, uh, and then the question is, what's the ultimate topic? We know the ultimate topic is Krishna, according to Krishna Lila. And that's the essence of this book. So it's, but the sages described as the um, mentioned the other day that there's uh, uh, there's five or six. I've been saying six, but I think there's actually five. I can't remember them right offhand. Uh, topics to be a Purana. right? One of which is we've mentioned because we've been we've been in is the the descendants of kings, right? And uh, primarily usually the solar and uh, solar and lunar dynasties. That you often all Puranas describe them. Also, this one of them is the Manvantars, the lives of Manus, right? A Purana has to describe the Manus, right? Another one, it has to describe, um, it describes uh, 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 Pralaya, or Niroda, it means, it means a destruction, right? So this chapter is sometimes referred to as Pralaya, right? So this is interesting, this is, and sometimes it's the final chapter is called Pralaya, because that deals with Kali Yuga. We're at the end of time, like that, but but it, these titles, these are people. You have a book. If it's a Purana, you gotta. Oh yeah, it mentions all these five things are mentioned, right? But why is this called Purai? Also known as Nirodha. Nirodha. Um, uh, um, Nirodha means to like still, right? In the yoga, in the, in the Yoga Sutra, that verse is there. Chitta Nirodha, right? That the stilling of the Chitta is yoga. So here, so we have to understand Pralaya. What's Pralaya? Pralaya means is, does not mean destruction. Means dissolution. Right, and so the yogi that said that when the mind, the mind just bec- we become absorbed or dissolved in God by listening. But how by listening to these stories? So it's the ultimate solution for us is that we finally have attained that state where hearing these beautiful stories, our mind gets dissolved. 
right? So destruction is not the destruction of the world, the destruction of, not even destruction, the absorption of the mind, nirodha. Also, apara, apar, ap, I have to pronounce this right, apasraya, apasraya means the uh, uh, um, ultimate support, another title given to this chapter, it means the ultimate support ultimately is Bhagavan, so this is what it's talking, right? And amongst the theme of the whole text, and especially of this chapter, one of the points of the of the skanda, one of the teachings of the Bhagavat is called Bhagavad Dharma. We have many teachings about Dharma, and we have we all know in the traditional understanding there's this um, uh, Purusharta. Purusharta means are the legitimate goals of a human being. Purusha Arta, right? What are the goals of life? Right, arta means wealth or the desired things. So we know in traditional things it says dharma, karma, arta, moksha. Right, that's a common thing, right? Right. So um, first, dharma. Dharma is religion or righteousness. Has many meanings, of course. But uh, first, dharma. Then kama, arta. Kama means enjoyment, desi- uh, satisfying your desires, and arta means wealth, getting your uh, accomplishing what you need to want to accomplish. So that's one of the reasons we're born here. We're born because of our karma and arta. We have desires. We have uh, desire for pleasure and desire for wealth. Ultimately, that's why we're born, right? But uh, Krishna says in Gita, he says, "Triple are the gates to hell: lust, anger, and greed." Right? So lust and greed is kama and arta, and anger is just frustrated lust and greed. So how are these goals of life also the gates of hell? Right? Because we need to be guided by dharma. Dharma is some little restriction, right, and some guidance, some control, some higher ideal by which we can even, we can satisfy our karma, we can satisfy our artha, right, but based upon dharma. So that's why dharma is listed first. In a hierarchy, you have, you know, karma, karma, artha, dharma, right, but dharma is always listed first because without dharma, try and satisfy our karma and artha, it's just selfish behavior, it's unbridled selfishness. That can't be a good thing spiritually, right? And it was the ultimate goal of moksha, liberation, freedom from the cycle of birth and death, and the illusion of separation, the suffering, and all these ways we understand it. The Bhagavatam holds there's the fifth purusharta, and that is bhakti. That devotion is not a path to, li- to liberation, but an independent goal. Right, the real goal is not liberation. Liberation is good, nobody wants to be bound. I mean, some people think, oh, sometime in the mood, oh, we don't want liberation, we want bhakti. Right, it's okay to say like that. It's a mood of that. Could mean by, by by liberation maybe means I don't want to disappear into nothingness or emerge in the absolute. I want to love, but I remember somebody made this comment to Swami Chaitananda. It's like, what if you don't want liberation? He says nobody wants to be bound. So don't talk foolishness like this. Who wants to be bound? Moksha is not necessarily. There's many definitions of moksha, but nobody wants bondage, right? So don't don't say you don't want mukti. Everybody wants mukti. Nobody wants. If you want even freedom, uh, freedom to have bhakti is also type of mukti, right? So mukti, book bhakti is given as an independent goal, but as the supreme goal. Ultimately, what we really, our nature of our existence is not just to be free from suffering and birth and death, which is important, mukti, but to have a positive ideal, a positive, uh, loving, ecstatic, loving relationship with the source. So that's the, uh, so that's, uh, that's the uh, uniqueness of the uh, the Bhagavad school, Bhagavad Dharma, the, the teachings based upon the Bhagavatam is this. Ultimately, there's a f- the higher the supreme goal is love of God, uh, and the, the the goal is love of God. And how do you get to that goal? Is also love of God. Often in some of the traditions, they we we say that the goal is is mukti, right? And the path there's many paths to mukti, uh, 
There's karma, there's yoga, there's jnana, and there's bhakti. Right? So bhakti is not a goal, but a path to the goal. Right? Here the goal is bhakti, and all, including mukti and all the other forms of yoga, and all the different goals ultimately are to develop love. Love is the goal. Right? Uh, so that's a, and so here in the 10th in the skanda with Krishna Lila, that's explicitly demonstrated. Where again, again, you have characters saying, I don't want mukti. Right, and I don't want jnana. Like the the, go, like the, the highest example uh, that we'll read about is the gopis, the gopas. They don't know philosophy, right? They don't they don't know yoga, in the classical sense, right? What are they aspiring for? They're they're villagers, they're tribe tribal people, uh, farmers and, and herdsmen, but they love Krishna, right? So that's the, the and, and and they're held as supreme examples of ever, of the goal of life, the gopas and the gopis, right? So the highest goal, in especially explicitly and finding full uh, fruition and description in the, in the tenth skanda, is this bhakti as a goal. <clears throat> so then, the, so many of you know basic story of Krishna. We know he's born in a prison, that his uh, and that his uncle was trying to kill him, right? That he escaped and was transferred to uh, Vrindavan. He was and transferred to the lap and the. Of, a, of a Yashoda and Nanda, he grew up in and he grew up in in Vrindavan and Gokul area, and his his uncle tried to send so many demons. There's Patna and so many important demons. We all know the stories. Tried to kill him. Eventually, also he he goes as a sort of cowherd boy. Takes care of the cows. So he breaks. He like he steals butter from his mother. You know, so many things we'll get to. All these sweet scenes are all in this text. Eventually, uh, the uh, he has a. Uh, 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 romantic uh, connection with the gopis. Then he finally leaves Vrindavan, seems to leave Vrindavan to kill Kamsa. We know the story is there. Eventually he takes, he becomes head of a particular, his original family, um, uh, 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 the Vrishni tribe. He becomes a head uh, of his original tribe. He moves to Dwarka, establishes his capital. He takes part in the political life of Hastinapur and, the, and, the, and fights in the uh, uh, speaks in Mahabharata and, and all those. We know those stories. So the question is, are they true? Right? Is it history? Right? What's the purpose of the of this story? Right? And so they, in one sense, there, there is not there, there's not uh, a lack of evidence of Krishna's. There is a lot of evidence of Krishna's birth. A person named Krishna, an important political character, head of a particular clan. Right, a pol political, a very important political character of the time. Right, only recently we know the man who who found Dwarka underwater. You know, uh, what's the gentleman's name? Uh, Dr. Rao. Right, he came here and gave a beautiful presentation about this. You know, um, uh, some and he found it. It was he found it. It was a, was a line of Krishna speaking in Mahabharata. What's gonna? He says, "My city," and he describes exactly what's gonna happen to it. To be taken by the ocean, you know. So there's a lot of there's a, a lot of independent historical evidence. Can't say proof, but evidence of Krishna's some character, Krishna, right? But the Bhagavatam is not necessarily historical. It's not trying to be historical, right? It's presenting uh, God's. Uh, it's revealing uh, God's manifestation, not not necessarily as history, but not false. Right? It's not fictitious. It's not made up, right? So it's hard for us to understand the way it was understood and the way it's spoken, right? Not exactly history, because if it's talked about history, you know, all of a sudden you have a little boy lifting up a mountain with his left little pinky for for, for so many days, right? Oh, we believe that happened, but it's it's not something that 
in the realm of history, that's not a thing to happen, what to speak of. Is there evidence that he lifted it? There can be no evidence. No amount of evidence can prove a little boy lifted a mountain, lifted a mountain for, for so many days, right? So you have to, we, we, it, we start talking too much in history, it loses, it's not nothing. There's a mountain called Gorba, you can go and you can go there. Thought, oh yeah, this is where he lift, Krishna lifted the mountain, right? <laughs> right? But if you push it and, it's like, and you, we have a seminar and you've got all the important scholars to try to, to demonstrate that we found that the evidence of how Krishna lifted the mountain was his little pinky, it's, we're not going to be taken seriously. At the same time, you can go, this is where Krishna lifted the mountain, right? So it's history and not history. It's a, it's a revelation, and that revelation is seen as having touched history, right? Entered history. In the view of the Bhagavatam, that there's not that important, that uh, History is not that important in the revelation of the divine, this divine manifestation. Uh, uh, how should I say? Uh, uh, we can see in the Bhagavatam and in the, um, in the Mahabharata a skeleton of hist historical fact. Right? But that's not the goal. Right? It's, it's usually seen that, um, that, uh, uh, that the, the, the divine reality, it's not that uh, the divine reality, the divine truth, percolates into material truth, into history and time. You can go play, there, uh, Krishna lived on earth at a time, right? But it's not, that's not the most important point. It's the divine, the, the absolute God. It's Bhagav, Krishna to Bhagavan Soyam. Whatever you think historically happened, whatever the evidence is happening, he's, this is a revelation of uh, Bhagavan, of the absolute. Uh, the absolute, the timeless, the immortal, the formless, the, the uh, m appearing as in time, in history, in form. Right? And so, if we, so this is important to think about because some scholars, and some, not the scholars, some religious, religious also, I've had one wonderful Swami who I love very much, but he had no, no, no taste for this Krishna character. This, this is that Raghavananda. Right? He's walking. He says, I, Krishna of the Gita, that's okay. He's teaching some good teachings. But Krishna of the Bhagavata is a moral boy. Just, just stupid stories. He's dismissed and walked. He's walked. This is one. In two, three, seven, he dismissed the entire thing. <laughs> but actually, if you know, he actually is a great saint who probably has much devotion for Krishna. He, is, he had a bhava. And that was it. All these gods and goddesses are just, uh, just the foolishness of the human imagination. But he... Then he sees one and he bows like this, you know. You know, it's his Advaita, he has strong Advaita Bhav, you know. Uh, so that was his mood. But, uh, but, that, but even there are some uh, uh, critics of the, of the tradition, as well as modern Christian scholars and things like that, they see what, what Krishna seems to be immoral, right? How can that be God? Right? You know, it's like, uh, uh, uh. so, but by saying Krishna to Bhagavan Swayam, Krishna is Bhagavan. What is Bhagavan? He's the source of everything, creator of everything. So you can, so you can also say some religionists also or people are against religion. What will they say? Well, how can there be a God, right? They, you know, they, he created. Oh, God created this world. He created a world full of suffering and death, right? What type of God would do that, right? So they just dismiss the whole God idea because otherwise, how can you know? Create by God meaning creating the world of duality of everything, of good, of bad, of moral, of everything, right? So to to question Krishna being Bhagavan. Right, being God, how can Krishna do this? Is like, how could God create a world of death and war and selfishness and disease and cancer and kids being killed? And you know, it's like, you know, it's like, or and but but then uh, that seems really personal to us. But like, like you know, 
a tree grows and a creeper comes up and kills it. How could God do that, where he created a tree where a creeper kills a tree? Right? It becomes the, the statement. I mean, there are people who are maybe atheistic or agnostic people who may think like that, that they're obsessed with this idea, but it's not a legitimate thing to go get to, to criticize, not a real criticism of religion. To say, how could God create a world where, you know, when a small, big fish eats small fish? It seems it, fall, it falls apart, right? So similarly, the question, if a Krishna is Bhagavan, the question whether, how could he seemingly do immoral things and still be God? How, how can these things be true, fall apart also on the same principle? So it's also suggested, actually I was reading a little bit from the introduction of Sonia Tapashinanda who did the translation. He has a very nice introduction to this chapter, to this uh, skanda, very well thought out, his longest uh, introduction, where he says that those who, who have a problem with God creating a world where big fish eat small fish and, 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 and bacteria you know, attack uh, living items like that, better you avoid this book. Right, you're, it's not, you're not going to get anything out of it. If, your approach, if that's your approach towards these things, you're, you're not going to be- benefit from that. And actually, we've mentioned in the past that, that this book is it's said in the tradition itself that one shouldn't read the 10th skanda unless you've studied the previous s- sections. You have to understand what's what and how, and how it's being spoken and what's in between the, what is God, what is, this, what is the self, what is the body, what is the soul, what is nature, what is creation, how did it happen. Without that basic understanding, you won't know what, what Bhagavan, who Bhagavan is and what Bhagavan's actions can possibly be presented this way. So especially, uh, I want to read a few verses, but I want to, uh, important my setup here, uh, is this, Krish, this uh, the, um, the, uh, Especially the what the most controversial section is the section with the gopis. How do we interpret that? Not just gopis. If, if the gopi section is not real, if, the, if we can't accept the the lila with the gopis, then we can't accept the lila with the cowherd boys and the lifting the gorvadon and Deva, a voice coming and saving Deva. It's all it all is connected, right? That's just the greatest example of an unbelievable mythological fictitious story in a world you know people think it's true you know that's how people approach religion right so there's general a few different ways of understand that people approach to try to figure out how to understand krishna lila right one is that it's symbolic not factual right so uh, uh, an example of that could be oh well krishna is purusha and the jiva the individual is pakriti Right, so we think of that as feminine. So the story of Krishna of the Gopis is symbolically told, but not act, didn't actually happen. Right, so in that view, then the histor- historicity of the events is ignored, denied or ignored at least. Right, right, uh, uh, and only the symbolic meaning is held to. That's very common. Right, another view is that it's uh, poetic exaggeration. Right, and and uh, uh, like, like Guruji would sometimes say that uh, Krishna is said to be ten years old. In, when Rasulullah happened, and Radha and the gopis are in their they're in their twenties and thirties, they're married, right? So how could it happen? He's a little boy. Look at little boy. So obviously it didn't. It's not. There can be no romantic connection between a little boy of ten years old and I mean not. Shouldn't be any. There shouldn't be a romantic connection between a little boy, uh, a little boy and, and and grown women, right? Married grown women, right? So it's obviously it's 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 some some ancient stories have come about pastoral life and but and the fanatic disciple the devotees have exaggerated it. Right, and dirty-minded uh, devotees of Krishna have exaggerated the whole thing and, and made this fund this whole thing. Right, that's a common view also. Right, 
superimposed this by decadent followers, you could say, right? So here the, the historicity of it is accepted but modified. It's not what we think, right? And therefore the, any ethical problems in the story are denied and dismissed, right? Uh, another one, I've, I was trying to think how to, what, to, what, to, what to define it, how to call it. Um, like, um, like, like embodied mystical interpretation, I think is what I'm thinking about it. Means that, that, that uh, it's historically accepted, Right, it happened, right? But the gopis were beyond the gopis were beyond body consciousness, right? Uh, and so they make Krishna on a spiritual level, and there's evidence of that also in the Bhagavatam. Like for instance, when Krishna is in, in the gopis in, 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 on Rasalila day, people find out and they go and they and they see and they look at home and they're no, they're they're in bed with their husband or they're still milking, they're still doing their baby, so they're there. It all happened mentally. So it happened, but not physically. It's all completely spiritual. So in a way, you can completely ignore. It. There's no at that point. There's no controversy, right? Of this lila, right? So the Bhagavatam. What are the Bhagavatam itself? The Bhagavatam says all these things. All three views are there. It's true. He's only ten years old because there can't be a romantic connection between a twenty-year-old and a ten-year-old uh, little boy. Um, uh, it, it's it's true that the gopis. Uh, uh, could be in two different places, and it's all in their mind. It's also true, right? It's uh, 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 it's true that it's it's a very extremely deep symbolism of Pukriti and Purusha, right? But the Bhagavatam assumes that it actually happened, in one sense, right? It's is that it's that it's all those deep meaning. All these three the three different views are very deep, and very meaningful, right? But it doesn't change the fact that there are, there are earthly women, right, in the story, right, who fell in love, were completely ravished by this young boy's charm. By his good looks, by his antics, by his music, right, and 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 he said they became extremely, uh, they fell in love with him, and were intoxicated by him, and he called to them, and they ran, they gave up, they ran away from their families, and ran to him, right. The story it loses its poetic potency if that doesn't happen, if it's all symbolic, or if it didn't actually happen, or happened in the mind as a symbol of something. It ha- it, it's it's a it's a real tangible thing, right. And so, in the in so this is being spoken by Sukha to Parikshit, and Parikshit asks in one point. I didn't write down the, the verb, but it's a, very, it's a famous line. He says, "But how is it possible? If he's Bhagavan, same question we would ask. If he's Bhagavan, then how could he do these things, right?" And so and then then Sukha uh, uh, says very nicely. He says that divine personages are found, divine beings, right? They can override human mor- moral codes. Right, human moral codes are designed to focus our attention and guide us, but they're they're infinite. They're they're bit greater. It describes like a fire. A fire consumes everything. If you throw a dirty thing into a fire, you say, "Oh my God, the fire is dirty." No, the fire will, will consume it. Right, and then it's and then he says, "But we shouldn't imitate them." Right, and then the example is always given is like Krishna lifted Govardhan Hill. Right, so first you lift Govardhan Hill with your pinky, then you can go. You can have sixteen hundred girlfriends. Right, right. Or uh, Shiva drank poison. Right, we can't, we can't, we can't drink poison. So we're not Shiva. Right. So then, then it's given that the great, the great beings, the great saints, the great uh, incarnations, the great the, the devas and devatas, they have their 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 true divine activities and their true divine teachings. So we can follow their te- their activities as long as it doesn't go against their teachings. The old saying is, "Do what I say, don't go, do what I do." Right. So, th- a person who could do such tremendous activity, 
that we can't do, we should take their words seriously and follow their teachings, not necessarily their activity. Of course, we should learn an acharya, we learn by their activity, but th there's a, there seems to be something there also. So the gopis, this view is that it's very, it's very mystical, very deep, but very embodied, right? That the gopis, whoever they were, we're going to find out they're not who we think, they're not who we think we are, they are, right? But the, gop, the gopas and gopis, they had, they had passionate love. The stories that they had passionate love for Krishna, right? Right, uh, the word is kamukis. Kamukis means lo they're lustful women, lustful maidens, right? And they get transformed to primikas, complete lovers, right? Because Krishna is God, whatever our experience, our lust, our anger, our whatever the, the seemingly negative judged moral uh, perspective, as soon as it, it gets touched to Bhagavan, it becomes transformed. There's a verse later in the 10th skanda, it says that he is Subhadra. He's the, um, the uh, reservoir of unlimited goodness. And beauty, right? So anything, anything you touch it, he becomes beneficial. So the gopis, they fell in love with him, right? And so their love, their lust got transformed to the highest. They became paramahansas, beyond, completely beyond uh, limitations, right? Um, uh, so that's a very. Uh, and you can look at like uh, Kamsa. He hated Krishna, but as soon as he touched Krishna, he became liberated. Thinking about Krishna transformed his life. Right, so the thing is, that, so it says a sinful person thinks of God. What happens to him? His sins get destroyed. Right, a, a saintly person thinks of God. He becomes enlightened. A lustful person thinks of God. He gets lust turns into love. Of course, we're not criticizing the gopis saying they're lustful, but the story says that. We have to be careful how to say. It. We have to read it properly and carefully. But I'm just giving a background of some of the because these are. If it's true of the gopis, it's going to be true of the whole story. Every fantastic uh, thing that's that we're going to read. Well, Zach will jump into a, a, a few verses, the opening verses. I'm going to read the first 14 verses. I'm going to read from existing translation. Uh, um, uh, it sets the scene, then I'll read from 15, 15 to 25 from my own translation. The Raja said, this is Parikshit, who's just been told about Krishna for the first time, I mean, directly about Krishna by Sukadev. You have described to me the saga of the solar and lunar dynasties and the unique histories of their kings. You have also described the lie of the noble and righteous kings Yadu. In that, in that dynasty, Mahavishnu was incarnated by a part of his splendor. Please describe to us in the great exploits of that incarnation. Please tell us in all detail whatever has been done by the Lord, the creator and the indweller of all that exists during his descent in the line of Yadu. Tell, tell us about Krishna. Who except a gross sinner would say enough of it and refrain from hearing the descriptions of the glorious Lord's excellences, which form the topics of praise and song for all renouncing ascetics, the one panacea for the ailments of samsara, and the most delectable experience for, man's, for the ears of man. It was the boat of his feet that enabled my ancestors, the sons of Pandu, to cross with utmost ease as it were only a kuf, as if it were only a, hoof, a calf's hoofprint, the mighty ocean of the Karava army rendered dangerous to cross by warriors like warrior whales like Bhishma, who were victors even over, over even the devas. So it was by his grace, my ancestors in this great battle could cross this huge ocean as if it was just a small puddle. A hoofprint, right? It's a common uh, poetic metaphor. Uh, uh, in other words, so it's, this is referring to the Mahabharata War, right? Uh, uh, 
narrate, narrate, please narrate the excellence of the Lord who, entering armed with his discus into the womb of my mother, a refuge at his feet, saved me the sole seed of the tree of the Pandava line, whose body has been scorched by Brahma missile released by Drona's son. We'll get to that topic later. O oh, learned one, describe to us the unique powers of that man-god who is present within all beings as the indwelling spirit and without as time. He's, he's present within as Atman and out as the march of time, also Lord's form, showing immortality on those who turn to him within and dealing death to those who look looks are turned away from him. I began to try, I was going to translate by ran out of time, so I was going to translate that verse. It's very important. He's within as a self, outside as time. Those who turn to him in love, means to meditation, they find the timeless, immortal being, right? They attain immortality, right? Those who look out in the world of change, that's the world of birth and death, right? So he gets, uh, our reward and punishment is just internal looking or outside looking. If you look inside, you, become, you find immortality. You look outside, you find death. That's the nature of time. That's his form is as nature. It's constantly changing. Uh, you spoke of Balaram, who was an incarnation of Shankarshana as the son of Rohini. How could, how then could he be born in the womb of Devaki without taking another body? For what reason did the Lord leave his father's residence and go to Vraja, the coward settlement? When exactly did he live with his relatives? What did all the what all did Keshava do during his stay in Vraja and in the city of Mathura? Why did he kill Kamsa, his mother's brother, and thus do a prohibited act? For how many years did he live in the city of Yadu, of the Yadus in his human body? How many wives did he have? O oh, all knowing one, you should describe to me all those aspects of Krishna's life and actions on which I have questioned you, and also what I have not asked you. Those though I have not been taking even a drop of water, I have not the least been afflicted by what should have been an unsufferable thirst and hunger and thirst, for I have been imbibing the nectar and drink of Hari's excellences flowing incessantly from your lips. So this is big, these are the questions that eventually he's going to slowly answer. I think is where I started. The Osage Sukha. Hearing these excellent questions, Sri Shuka, the greatest of devotees, con- congratulated. Raja Parikshit and began to narrate the story of Krishna's life and doings, which has got the power of eradicating the sinful influences of Kali. That's a verse we read last week. It says that the real reason that he enacted these leelas, of course, we know we mentioned and we read just now, in order to save uh, the earth from this uh, predominant of demonic kings, which we'll get to. But he says, but really, is so that people people who will be born later in Kali Yuga, that's you and me and all of us here in Kali Yuga can become liberated just by remembering these, by hearing the story, right? We become, because the cause of birth and death is kama and, kama and uh, 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 karma and kama. He says, but by listening to the stories of Krishna, we become liberated of karma and, karma and, and kama, desire, and, and therefore don't take rebirth. If we think about his birth, we don't take rebirth, right? That's the point. There's a, point, there's a thing being said, I have to bring it up again. Uh, so I'll start with my own translation. Shishuku Vacha to answer his question. Samyag Pyavyasita Buddhis Tava Raja Rishi Sattama Vasudeva Katayamte Ja Jata Nishtiki Rati or something to that effect. Shishuka said, O greatest among royal sages. Now he's not usually a royal sage. Raja Rishi is somebody who's uh, the, the Rishi to Raja. But he's a Raja who's become a Rishi. 
And at the end of his life, he's listening to this, he's become a holy man. He's becoming a Rishi. Right? Oh royal sa oh best among royal sages. Right? Sam Yoga Vyavavitita Buddhihi. Your mind, your buddhi is entirely focused. Right? He's praising it. Why are you, Roger? You are you are entirely focused on, on uh, 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 Rishi on what? Vasudeva Katayam on the kata, the stories, the information, the, the, the speech, the message of, about Vasudeva. So we call, here's in these verses, Vasudeva kata. In other places, Krishna kata. Right? Talks about God. Talks, so uh, uh, you're, you're, you're entirely focused with your full buddhi, your full mind, your full intelligence, absorbed, only in hearing about, uh, talk about God. Right? As you have developed a taste to hear talk of Vasudeva without ceasing. Nashtiki uh, Ratihi. Your attraction, your taste has become so fixed you don't want to lose. So he's praising him. You've asked a very good question. Right? Because you're only thinking, you're, oh, you've got, you develop a taste for this divine topic. Uh, uh, by developing a taste for your, this divine topic, you focus without uh, deviation. Then it says, Vasudeva kata prasna. Again, Vasudeva kata talks about Vasudeva prasna. Prasna means question. Right? So you are asking about the story of, Krishna, of Vasudeva, Krishna. Right? So, purusam tri punati, pun, puna, punatihi. This, the, the, the trin punatihi, it purifies three types of people. Purusam, people, trin, three, punatihi. This, this talk, questions about Vasudeva, about God, purify three types of people. Anybody, or three people. Anybody can guess what they are? Who, I'll give you, one of them is the person asking, right? Because, and the person speaking, right? The thing is, like, if you ask me a question about, if I ask you to talk about God, ask you a question about God and you answer, I'm benefiting, but you're also benefiting. It's very great. I could spend the whole day. I'm a sannyasi, supposed to be thinking of God. I could spend the whole day not barely thinking of God once. Until some Swamiji could ask you a question. Oh, fine. What do you want? You know, it's like interrupting my TV watching or something like that. You know, you know <laughs> Facebook to, to update. Uh, uh, and, and somebody asks you a question. Then all of a sudden, we then the next, next 20 minutes, I'm thinking of God. Right? So the person's benefited and I'm benefited. Right? And anybody else listening is also benefited. Right, so here it says, Vasudeva, uh, um, Vaktranam Praschakam Strotrim. Vaktranam, the person speaking, Praschakam, the person asking, and Strotras, anybody else listening. Everyone's benefited. Any, so, everyone is pure. Questions about Vasudeva purify three types of people the, three, the questioner, the speaker, and anybody else. Who overhears the listener, right? Just like tatpara uh, shaliram yata. Uh, tatpara means from the feet, that water flowing from the feet. That means omtad Vishnu Paramam Param is from Vishnu. means Ganga. Ganga purifies everybody. But just like the Ganga purifies, in the same way, talk questions about God purify. It purifies the questioner, the speaker, and the listener. Just like Ganga water purifies. Right? It's a very beautiful uh, line. Questions about Vasudeva purify three people, indeed. The speaker, the questioner, and the listener, just like the water flowing from Hari's feet, means a Ganga. 
Now here's the cause. The, this is the uh, the main, the original, external cause of Krishna's incarnation. Bhumir dripta nripa vyaja daityanika shatta yutai akranta bhuri bharena brahmanam sharanam yayo Bhumi, that's Mother Earth, right? Bhumi, uh, the Earth. Uh, uh, Dripta, Nripa, Vyaja, Daita. She is, Drit, Drita means egotistical, right? Proud, egotistical, what? Nripta, Mrita means kings, right? So egotistical kings, right? But actually it says, uh, Vyaja means posing as kings. They're actually not kings. Right, the kings that are causing so much trouble to the to the to to the earth, are not, because kings shouldn't be uh, uh, egotistical and proud and, and conceited. Right, they're actually daitya, demons, posing as egotistical kings. Right, and shatta ayukta and hundreds and and it was huge anika was huge armies of soldiers, kings and their soldiers. Right, uh, 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 evil kings, fake kings, and their soldiers, right? Because we know at the time it was just uh, you, like in the Battle of Kurukshetra, million, seventy million people were killed in the story. Which, if you think the story true, something like that. Right? She came, Krishna came. Ultimately, the, the earth was complaining. I'm being burdened by millions and millions of evil kings and soldiers, right? Not good, not real kings. And their kings have to have armies and soldiers also. And maybe even wars and battles to protect their legitimate thing. But that's not what was going on then. It doesn't seem to be what's going on now also. Egotistical, uh, uh, was in the last verse from last week, it says, was holding the signs of royalty. They're demons holding all the insignia of royalty. right? And therefore wielding the power of royalty without the necessary humility and, and of trying to serve and protect their people like that and, 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 and lead the people to God, which is the real purpose of a... The duty of a king or of a, of, a, of a leader. Earth being overwhelmed by the burden of many demons posing as conceited kings and their many thousands of soldiers went to Brahma for shelter. Brahmanam Sharanam Yaya. They went to Lord Brahma, you please help me. Right? And there it says, then she took on the four Ghor, Butva, Butva Shru. Butva means took on the form of Gao, of Gomata. So Earth took on the form of a cow, and that's a theme also. Mother, that's why the cow is a symbol of Mother Earth, and they're so intimately connected that actually you see almost all, like almost say all, of environmental disaster comes from mistreating uh, the improper treatment of cows and bulls, right? Topsoil erosion, uh, uh, greenhouse gases, water. I mean, point for point for point for point. It's all comes from the mis misunderstanding of how we're supposed to treat cows. Right, uh, um, so she's a perfect symbol of the environment and of Mother Earth. And Mother Earth, whenever she complains, she takes on the form of a cow. Right, it's again and again. So the Earth, being overwhelmed by the burden of many demons, uh, uh, sorry, uh, assuming the form of a cow, and it says tearful, distressed, weeping piteously. Right, so the very pathetic, she's just crying in front of Brahma, help me, protect me. Look what's happening. Look what's happening. I cannot tolerate anymore what's being done on me. She stood before Brahma and submitted to her, submitted to him her woes. Brahma understood everything. Then along with, here it says, Daivya Taya Saha Jagama 
Sa tri nayanam. He he went with along with the three eyed one and the devas. That means he took Shiva with him and the other gods, Indra and all the devas. They also also when Brahma went with the earth to uh, they took Shiva and all the devas. Right, all the important devas. Brahma understood everything, then along with the three eyed one and the gods approached the shore of the milk ocean. This is Kshira Payo Nidhi Nideha Nidehe. There they worship the Lord of the universe, Tatra Ghatva Jaganatam. They worship Jagannat, right? The Lord of the universe. Deva Deva Prishakapim, the God of gods, and the one who gives blessings to those who are in need. Right? How? Purusam Purusha Shuktena. They recited to that Supreme Person, the Purusha Shukta. That's a Vedic hymn. And so Purusha Shukta is very, it's a way you want to get, what they do, you want to, they, when the gods want to, when Brahma, Vishnu, when Brahma, Shiva, and Indra all want to get uh, Vishnu's attention, they start, I don't even know, I, I can't even chant the first, I'm very embarrassed, I should know Purusha Shukta. It's the most, one of the more popular Vedic hymns to know. Uh, it's, it's used in Shalagram Puja also. It's a 16 verse hymn to Lord uh, Vishnu uh, as the Supreme Purusha, the Supreme Person of the universe. They recited uh, or meditated upon Purusha Shuktam uh, uh, with full attention. Samahita was full meditation. So here's Brahma's leading them. So Brahma, you think we try to? I chant Purusha. Or I, I struggle to chant some hymn. I just tell them Purusha Shuktam, Nadaiyanistuti, some hymn like that, and we our minds wander. But if you have full attention, what happens? It was full attention comes Dharana, Dhyana, Samadhi, right? So Brahma is a great. He's a for first yogi ever, first person to meditate upon Vishnu is Lord Brahma, right? So he chants Purusha Shukta and immediately attains samadhi, a union, uh, a meditative trance. It says, in that samadhi, giridam samadhi do gagana sammiritam, he hears, in that samadhi he hears a voice, words vibrating in the gagana, in the, in the, in the sky. Right, so we imagine the sky. You can it's visualized here. He is, and he hears a voice in the sky. But because he's absorbed in samadhi, that gagana is probably his own con- infinite consciousness at that point, also known as gagana, the in- infinite like the sky, gagana. Right. While in samadhi, Brahma heard words vibrate in the sky and said, "O immortals," uses the word um, uh, "amaraha." This is the norm for the gods, those who don't die, the immortals, right, the immortal ones. O immortal, O gods. Right. Listen to the order of the Supreme Person and act accordingly without delay. So he got a message. He heard or he revealed something from within and he's conveying it to the devas. Listen to what, I, what, what, what Vishnu is saying. That Purusha, the Pumsa, he already knows. It says, Pura Eva Pumsa Abhadrita. Pura means before, before we even came, he already knows what's happening. He knows about the problem of the earth. He knows of her suffering. He's already made a decision. Right? So this is also, we take this to be a little bit instructive also. We also, when we have a problem, when it gets bad, let's go to the temple and pray. Right? But the one we're praying to already knows our problem. And it's already made the appropriate, but part of it, part of fixing it is you actually coming and saying sometimes. <laughs> right? So, uh, uh, Supreme Person already knows the distress of the earth. He, the Lord, here it says, uh, first it was Deva Deva, here's Ishwa, Ish, 
Ishwara Ishwaraha, the Lord of Lords, God of Gods, Lord of Lords. He, the Lord of Lords, is going to take birth on earth to lighten her burden through his own power of time. Exactly. So he's going to, so he, what, what does that mean? So here's Swa Kala Shaktya, his own Kala of power, Shakti of time. So Kala means time. Kala also, like we have like uh, Kala Bhairava or uh, Mahakal. Right, it means also means time, but also means death, right? So his power of time means in this world, don't, in one sense, in this story, he he incarnates and manages to kill off all these horrible uh, demonic people in the story. But even you see now, there is tyrants in this world. But in fifty years, they will be gone also. Even the worst tyrant will be gone within a hundred years for sure. Hopefully not replaced by somebody. Usually it's replaced by their son. <laughs> Often, you know, or by the successor. Uh, but uh, uh, but by by his own power of time, he will take care of everything. He's already he's already ta- he's already made the decision. He will. So the supreme person already knows the truth. He, the Lord of Lords, is going to take birth on earth to lighten lighten her burdens through his own power of time. You should take birth. Right. Urvaram Ishwara Swakala Shaktakra Amsar Yer. You should take birth along with your Amsas, your own parts. So that's a but your own powers, your weapons, your person, your retinues. You should also take birth, right? Where in the family of Yadu, take birth amongst the Yadus. So now, uh, 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 and uh, uh, for as long as he remains on earth. You also take birth. He's going to take birth in the Yadu, and soon you all take birth in the Yadu clan, right? As long as he's there. So this is an important thing: is that that when we read the story, you have to see the the interpretation of the story is being told. Who's Krishna, and who are all the characters? They're not normal people, according to the story. The devas, the devas have taken birth to play these parts in order to help his lila. So when the incarnation comes, he brings his attendants, his associates, right? And we see. Uh, and later, we, we, we uh, the devotees of Lord Chaitanya see, oh, uh, Murari Gupta was Hanuman, and this person was Advaita Charya was Sadashiva, and Gadadhar was uh, 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 um, uh, Radha, and 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 so you can you could see, oh, that's he. All the devas have come, uh, devas and devis have come along with the avatar, right? Even as devotees of Sri Ramakrishna, those of us who believe Sri Ramakrishna, we think, oh, what about his? What about his disciples? And we say, oh, this disciple is uh, came with, with oh, like uh, Swami Sharadananda and Swami Ramakrishna. They were with Jesus in his incarnation, right? M was with Lord Chaitanya. Uh, uh, Swami Brahmananda was with uh, uh, Krishna, right? So we can think that's not historical proven, but this is a tradition that we have. To, and uh, so we're giving a little bit. These are, these are, this is a normal story. History, not history. It's not a normal story, right? This is a, this is a story of, of gods and goddesses acting. Two more verses. Vasudeva Grihe Shakshad. Vasudeva Grihe. In the house of Vasudeva, not Vas, Vasudeva Grihe. In the home of Vasudeva, of Vasudeva, Shakshad Bhagavan, Purusha Paraha. Shakshad himself. What's going to happen? That Bhagavan will appear. Who is Purusha Paraha? The supreme person. Or the Para means, or the transcendent person. Or another type of person. It has all these meanings, right? So not the person you th- who you think he is, he's not that, right? Whatever para is, it's not what we think. It means transcendent, supreme, or other, <laughs> right? right. Uh, also, para also means 
enemy. Right? So he's going to put also means you have friends, which is our own, and para means enemy. So each you, you insert that different meaning, the flavor of what this means comes out a little differently. Or he's being born as a, somebody to, to, not as a friend of, of, of the demons, but as, as an instigator to their destruction, right? <laughs> Bhagavan Supreme Person will be born in the home of Vasudeva. The, and then it says, Prityartam Sambhavad Sura Shritaha. The wives of the gods should also be born. Right? Uh, why? It says, Tat uh, Priyartam, in order to please him, for his pleasure. Right? So, the, so this is also giving a little hint. Right? Who are the gopis? Right? Who are, they're not normal women. Whether they're a simple village, we go, oh, the simple village woman who attained the highest state, or a simple, but in the story, they're, they're, the, the ladies in the story are not normal ladies. The men in the story are not normal men. The kings and all the characters on, on the side, these are, they, were, they came, when, Inc, when Krishna came, he brought a retinue with him for, to, in order to enact his leela. Right? So in this, there's many, some people, the, the, the gopis are all forms of Lakshmi, or they're forms from the original Vrindavan of Goloka, and they descended. There's many ways of interpret. Here it's being said, the devas, you take birth with your parts and angas, and your, and your energies and weapons and, 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 and retinue, but also your wives should also take birth for Hari's pleasure, for his pleasure. So that's also a little hint, right? Not just to, to serve him, but to his pleasure. So maybe some little hint of Rasalila in there. Yeah, to be brought out later. The thousand-headed Ananta, the expansion of Vasudeva, of, of Vasudeva, will appear earlier for the purpose of pleasing Lord Hari. This, is, uh, this, this will be Balaram. So, uh, 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 Ananta Shesha, the thousand-hooded um, uh, serpent on which Vishnu lies in the milk ocean, that he will, he's already, he will take birth first. So it means, as his older brother, this is Balaram. So Balaram, you see even our drum, our drum, has this, we call them um, this this uh, the drums are worshipped as Vasudeva, as Balaram. I'm sorry, as Balaram. And this company that makes this one is called Balaram Drums, and the symbol is a serpent, right? Why is it? Because Vasudeva he supports Vishnu's he supports Vishnu, right? He's the one all he's a symbol of in Tantra he's a symbol of Kundalini, right? But he supports every he's a Shakti that supports everything. He's the Lord Shakti, you know, and he's sustaining power. And so he's, he's, he expands into, for the Leela. Here he expands as a dr- all the things we use in worshipping God, that's Vasudeva. That's um, Balaram. Right? So he, 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 he's a paraphernalia in worship of Krishna. Even the puja things, the clothes, the jewelry, the drums, the lamps, everything is considered to be worshipped as if it's Balaram. Right? You see the musicians, they first they bow to their instruments and then they use it to worship the Lord. Right. Some people bow. Oh, these are forms of, of Saraswati. That's one view. Or, or that. Oh, these are these are these instruments and items are being used for the worship of the Lord. So here, in order to make those arrangements, that Ananta Shesha is being born as Balaram. So ready, ready. Krishna is Bhagavan Swayam. He's a Parama Purusha, right? He's Deva Deva Ishwara Ishwara, right? So we know who he is. The other characters in his family, they're all gods. The women that surround him are all de- goddesses, and his brother is Anantashesha, right? So it's being said, it remains, the characters are being described here. Uh, and then Vishnumaya Bhagavati, and Bhagavati will also take birth. Bhagavati means the goddess. Who's that goddess? This means Durga, right? Uh, Bhagavati Vishnumaya, the Lord's Maya. Right, you know, we're bound by Maya, but the Maya is uh, the the potency, the power, uh, uh, the manifestation the, that 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 we 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 worship as a goddess. This is the Lord's own power, 
is also going to take birth as Bhagavati. Right? Jagat. She is the one by which this whole world is bewildered. Samohitam. Where everyone is bewildered by Mahamaya. Right? Except God. Right? It's his Mahamaya. Right? We're blinded by it, but he's the source of that light that we're blinded by, or the darkness that we're blinded by, right? She's also going to take birth, right? Uh, as Adishta Prabhu, as by the order of her master, her Prabhu, in order, she will also appear in this world in order to accomplish some important work. So, and so, so we know in her story, Jayama, in her story, it's the story of, um, this is uh, uh, Subhadra, Right, and in the story, Krishna, uh, Subhadra also, and in when Krishna, the different uh, children have killed by Kamsa, one, the eighth child, uh, the seventh child is a woman, is a girl. Right, and Kamsa goes and, and to grab her, and and Vasudeva, uh, Vasudeva, he pleads. This is not the voice said. I'm giving this a little bit away, but everybody knows Krishna. The voice says that your eighth son, my eighth son, will kill you. This is my daughter. Right, she she's she has no threat to you. Leave her, let her live. He goes, no, I don't trust this Vishnu. He's a liar and a trick, trick, trickster. Right? He can turn a man into a woman and seven into eight. And he doesn't, I don't know. He says, it's my, my eighth child and it's supposed to be a man child. So he takes her and he's going to, like he's done all the other children, goes to smash her. But she flies out of her hand. Right? And, and takes on the form of Durga, an eight-armed form of Durga, very much like this. Right? And laughs. says, ah, your death, the, uh, I've come, I'm the Shakti behind Vishnu is going to accomplish something. I've come, your death is certain. Not by me, but the one who sent me. I'm just here to help. Right? You can go. To, that place is also there near Vindyavasini. There's a place where this happened. Right? Uh, uh, I think it's called Ashtadurga or some. There's some important place there, not far from Allahabad, a couple hours from Allahabad, where it says where he, where Kamsa went to go smash the Divine Mother, but she slipped out of her hands and revealed herself and then disappeared, laughing. And he's like, oh, that, doesn't, that, doesn't, that wasn't good. <laughs> you know, already it's getting worse and worse and worse. By the time Krishna is born, everything falls apart. But that's the first sign, right? So, uh, Bhagavati, the Maya of Vishnu, by whom this world is bewildered, will at her Lord's command be born for executing a certain purpose. This is also predicted in the Bhagavatam, in, in the Chandi. At the end of the Chandi, when uh, 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 boons are being given, then the Divine Mother speaks. He says, in the future... Right, and he says, when there will be a great demon Kamsa, I shall be born in the family of, of, of Vasudeva to, to assure his death. Right, so the Divine Mother herself is a boon given many eons before. Like when that demon's born and Krishna's born, he'll also, she'll also be born in, in order to uh, the death of, she's every, the death of every of these evil tyrants mentioned in the scriptures. The Divine Mother ultimately is the one who's the Shakti behind the, the, the drama. Right, the shakti behind everything. So, uh, 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 the next verse I think is uh, uh, Devaki's wedding, when then when she hears the voice and we, uh, we've. Uh, but this is a good introduction, a good introduction to the text and and the opening. What's the the if the external cause? There's many causes of Krishna's birth, but this is uh, the seemingly the uh, causal cause, or I don't know what the term is, efficient cause, material cause. I forget, I have to get my, my terms down. Uh, but thank you for your kind attention. We went a little late, but only 10 minutes. It's not, not so bad. Uh, we'll get ready for RIT. If there's anything, actually, we have a few minutes. Any any, any questions? Or really never. So Vasudeva is the, uh, the father of Krishna. Vasudeva means son of Vasudev. Vasudeva means the son of Vasudev. By that, a to a becomes, becomes the son of. 
in this like that. But it has to, so that's a very, we've mentioned this many times, but it's very important because the opening mantra, the whole thing, and then the next mantra is a beautiful description. Like it's, it's, it takes a, it's not in Gayatri meter, but it's considered a Gayatri mantra for that mantra. And then the next eight, uh, 17,999 verses are commentary of that verse. So the whole thing is a commentary on this word Vasudeva. Right, who is that Vasudev to which we we bow? Bhagavan Vasudev, Anuma Bhagavate Vasudevaya. It's Vas Vasu also means Vasu means to expand. expand. Right, it's Vasu. Right, breath is Vasu, air is Vasu. It comes the word Vishva to universal. All this comes in that same term, that which is really infinitely expanded, all pervading. Another a good way to describe it is all pervading. So what's all? There's nothing all pervading. Consciousness is all pervading. So Vishnu is all pervading, like the sky. Here he uses like you hear the voice in the sky, right? Gagana. So it's all pervading, like consciousness. So he's Vasudeva is that infinite Brahman, right? The only thing that's infinite is going to describe like that. But that Vasudeva is also is the son of Vasudev. Right, so that infinite Brahman is also incarnate, as, as and we're going in order to to help the earth and to to uh, kill a demon and to do and to uh, marry some women and to help fight a war and all the things. He also he also so he's the absolute infinite being, but he's also incarnate being. He's also someone we can we can worship and name and pour ghee on and and chant his you know it's like he's the absolute the impersonal the personal the formless and the form the um, uh, the inconceivable inconceivable and the one we can think of right Vas, the son of Vas, Vasudev we can remember we can think about that person Vasudev we can't we can't even think all what's all pervading we can't even think all we can think of something really big oh the sky's big the sky is not that big right and the entire <laughs> trillions of universes our sky is nothing. Right, <laughs> like you know, it's like it's like, with that idea. What does infinite mean? These are just made-up ideas that we just take something really, really, really small and try to imagine that slightly bigger with our tiny and perfect mind. We don't know what that means, right? But the, some, but but we said that infinite being, whoever, whatever that infinite being is, can be known. That's also Kali. That's also Rama. That's also Shiva. It's also here. It's Krishna, the son of Vasudeva. So now we're getting to that part of that of the of the of Omnamavati Vasudevaya. And so the story of who Vasu is, who, who Vasudev is, right? Vasudev is also, we won't go too much into his life. He had many, he has several wives, many other children. But for the time being, all we're interested in is Devaki and this child. <laughs> A little bit of the previous daughter, which we mentioned, Mahamaya, who took birth. And we'll have her do her Leela. But uh, uh, anything else? Good. Jai Mahakali. Thank you, Krishna. Thank you for your kind attention.